Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. And so today we're going to conclude this series on Extreme Makeover Inside Edition, but next month we have Season 2, and you'll have to stay tuned, Extreme Makeover, and then we'll fill in the blank, all right? Hey, if you have your Bible with you, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you use, let's hold it up today and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we come to you this morning and we just thank you for your presence. Wow, it's so awesome. And we, uh, we look into this word right now, and we pray that you uh, an, would anoint our ears to hear from the Holy Spirit what you would say. And God, help me today, Holy Spirit, anoint me. Let me say what you want me to say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And at the end of today, God, may you be glorified, may the saints be edified, and may the devil be terrified. Amen. So in a class... A teacher asked her students, what was one good thing that you did today? The first kid said, I helped a homeless man. The second kid said, I helped my mom with chores. The third kid, raising his hand, I helped an old lady cross the street. And then the fourth kid raised his hand. And by now, the teacher is really impressed and has high hopes. And she said to him, what did you do today? And he said, I prevented a murder. She was intrigued. What do you mean you prevented a murder? How did you do that? He said, (laughs) self-control. Anybody felt like that this week as you're going through the fast and you get the little jitters or whatever and something just really gets and you just, you know, you just thank you for self-control so there's no murder in this thing. So today we're finishing up a four-part series, which I personally have really enjoyed it myself. And uh, the first week I gave you an overview of what we call the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. There are one, there's one fruit of the Spirit, a gift, and it has uh, different manifestations. The second week, and, that's, you've, and, and so the second week, you know, you all voted on which of these three of the fruit of the Spirit of the uh, characteristics do you need most in your life? And so you voted. And the third one that came in was peace. So I talked about that the first week. The number two getting votes was patience. And number three, you can know what it is today, what? Self-control. Now, in this series, we've been talking about how the people go to extremes with external makeovers, you know, so that they're more beautiful, so they have greater strength, so they're more popular, and they feel like that's going to bring satisfaction. And we said it's not in the external things we do. If we focus all the things on the external, we're going the wrong direction. So somebody sent me a picture this week, and I'm going to show it to you in just a minute, of what happens when somebody today takes extreme makeovers and what they're going to look like when they become a grandma. Look up. Ooh. Uh, let's take that down. I think we've had all of that in our mind that we can. We want to work on the inside, right? 
I mean, if you have a little touch-ups, okay, but don't let that be the reason why you feel really good about yourself. Hey, look at, look at our theme verse today. And it's uh, in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, can you read it with me? But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, and self-control. Say self-control. Let's say it again, self-control. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is going to do some deep surgery today in many of our lives. Self-control. It's the fruit, not fruits. The word there is the word kapos, which means the harvest of the Spirit. So really, what it's saying is the fruit of the Spirit is the outward expression of Christ dwelling within. So these should all be natural expressions that we have in our life. The word self-control is an interesting word to look at. It's the word inkratia, and it also it's translated as temperance. So if you look at it, it's holding oneself in. Anybody work this week at holding something in that you wanted to come out? Yeah, three or four hands. Let's be honest. How many of you were trying to hold something in, but it got the best of you, and it came out this week? Yeah. This is, I love this church. I love this. I feel right at home, right? No judgment zone, as she said just a few minutes ago. Holding oneself in, inner strength, temperance, restraining passions and appetites. Restraining passions and appetites. Tom Landry, who I believe is the greatest football coach who ever lived, said this. The job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. Wow. Isn't that what Holy Spirit with the fruit is doing in our life? He is making us, take a look at those, and making us react to what's on the inside of us so that we can be what we've always wanted to be. Now, as we finish out in this teaching today, I wanted to put it in context when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. I want to put it in context in this particular passage, and I want to show the difference between living according to your flesh, the fleshly life, and living according to the Spirit. So look with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. Now, he goes on and says, let me share some of these with you. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcer, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, Selfish ambition, 
dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. In other words, he's saying, uh, this is not the end. I could write five more pages of sins of the flesh. But he said, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now let me give it to you in the, in the, in the paraphrase of the, uh, the message Bible. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfying once, satisfied once. A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable. Addictions, ugly parodies of communities, and I could go on and on and on and on, he says. That's me. And that's you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me. Just in case you wouldn't know, that's me. That's me. That's exactly where I am. But then Paul goes on and he says in our theme verse, verse 22, I want to keep this in context with you. In our theme verse, he says, but... When you see butts in the Bible, all those butts are big butts, all right? So what he's saying is, this is a litany of all the things that happen if you walk after the flesh. If you're always in arguments, if you're always causing division, if you always have those outbursts of anger, lopsided desires and never-ending desires, he said, I, I know you, you get to that place and you feel like, well, I'm just going to throw up my hands and give up. But then Paul says, but wait, time out. But you are different. Look at this. He says, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Would you underline that? I have that circled in my Bible, actually. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives under that, he will produce. In other words, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do better. I don't have to make it better. He will produce this kind of fruit. Remember? manifestations of the indwelling of Christ. Let's read it again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. So we need to talk about self-control today because that's the one you voted as the most needed in your life. And I tell you, I've never seen such lack of self-control people in all of my life. Well, join, because that was my number one that I said I need more than anything else. In fact, those three actually were my top also. Proverbs 25 and 28 says, a person without self-control, read it with me, is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. In the Old Testament, before they built the city, they built the walls. You'd build walls all around, and then you'd build the city so what's the purpose of walls? Protection. protection. Say it, protection. So, so in this, he's saying a person that has no self-control, 
A person, for in the New Testament, we'll look at, a person who walks after the flesh is defenseless. I mean, some of you have said things like this. Why on earth did I say that? Why on earth did I drink that? And then sometimes you get in this retaliatory mentality. Somebody says something and it's argumentative, and instead of you uh, listening to them and trying to think about how can I bring peace, you are pausing so that you can come up with something better that will put them in their place because, after all, who are they to come to you that way? And then after it happens a day or so later, we say, what? Why, did, why did we do that? Why did we get to that place? I read the story of Lady Esther said to Winston Churchill, one of the greatest leaders of all time, said, sir, if you were my husband, I would poison your tea. To which he responded, Madam, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. <laughs> that comeback, right? You know what I'm talking about. Just come back with something even better. So in your notes, we say that, first of all, we need to recognize that there's a problem. Recognize the problem. Say problem. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a problem. I got a problem. And here's the issue with that problem. We know it's there, but yet then we deny it. Denial. That's not a river in Egypt. Denial. You've heard the words. I can handle it. If I really wanted to stop, I would stop. My issue is not as bad as Michael's. You see, denial keeps you on the surface. Sometimes we don't want to admit it because we don't want somebody to feel sorry or feel bad for us. Or we just hide it. We hide it. Now, well, I don't have a problem with pornography. So I just, I'm just looking around, and of course, things come up. Now, I, yeah, I went intensely to six sites before I found what should come up, but I don't have an issue. Here's, here's my question. If you can stop, why haven't you? How bad does it have to get before you say, that's it, I've got a problem. Will it come to divorce? Drinking and drugging, will it take you to the place that you lose absolutely everything that you hope for? Is it going to take hospitalization? Are you going to kill somebody? See, you get high and get behind the wheel and start driving, you may never want to kill somebody. But boom, there's that wreck. What was it? What caused it? It was that problem that you kept denying as though it really wasn't there. It's just who I am. So I drink. Quit judging me. I don't hurt anybody. That sounds like powerful words, but it's gibberish. Because it, it just forces somebody to reject responsibility and ignore their inner world. Don't reject the responsibility that you have for change and let your inner world be destroyed. 
You can come to church as soon as you pull in the parking lot, you put on your happy Jesus face, everything is wonderful, but you know you've been living a life all week long that you want to keep it in secret because you wouldn't want anybody to know. So what do we do? Well, we try to fix the problem ourselves. So how do we fix the problem? Well, if you have an, an issue with credit cards and debt, you have more debt than you have money to be able to pay that. And uh, you hear somebody say, well, I cut up my credit cards. So you cut up your credit cards. But is that going to the bottom? Is that going to the underlines of the problem? No, because why? Six months later, you get another credit card and you'll get deeper in debt than you were before. It's just that you can't fix it on the outside. How about pornography? There's over 4 million websites and almost any time you start to Google something, it'll take you to the possibility of something that really is a place that you don't want to go. And it's killing our men and our boys. But not just that, 30% of website pornographic users are women today. Or maybe they're men who use women's name. I, I don't know. But we try to fix it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a filter on my computer. That filter will be there. Now, I'm not savvy enough. I have a filter on my computer. I'm not savvy enough to know how to get around that. But I know some of you are. You have a filter, but you know how to go around that. You see, you fix the surface, but you still have the issue. So you say, well, I'm not going to buy any more alcohol. I'm not going to have it in my house. I just, it's not going to be there. If it's not there, I won't, I won't look at it, which is probably a good thing. But you get out with somebody else, and it's the same thing, and you fall back in the same rut. Why? Because you're trying to fix the problem on the surface. Or maybe it's uh, break your credit cards, whatever you do. But we need to recognize there's a better plan than us just doing it by ourselves. A man and woman was constantly in arguments, but all of a sudden she began to not react to his, his explosives, uh, vomiting anger all over her. And so the man said, I don't know what's happened to you, but you remain so calm and you don't react to me in the words that I say. How do you, I, I just got to know, how are you maintaining self-control? She said, well, I just go clean the toilet. <laughs> clean the toilet? What do you mean clean the toilet? How's that do it? She said, I use your toothbrush. Anita can't find my toothbrush. I've got it hidden away. So here's the plan. Number one, I've got to go below the surface. I must go below the surface. In other words, I've got to get my spiritual shovel, shovel, shovel out, and I've got to start digging. So let me give you some digging spots. First of all, let me teach you a phrase today. Would you say this with me? I am not a slave. Say it again. I am not a slave. That's a theological truth. If you are a Christ follower, you are not a slave. You're not a slave to that sight. You're not a slave to the bottle. You're not a slave to the drugs. You're not a slave to the anger. You're not a slave to constantly overeating. You're not a slave. I love this verse, Romans 6 and 14. Sin is no longer your master. Say it with me. Sin is no longer your master. 
for you're no longer subject to the law, these externals that, that I've got to do better, which enslaves you to sin. Instead, look at this, you are free by God's grace. You are free by God's grace. There's some of you that are sitting here today or watching online, and thank you for joining us. And you think, you're hearing all this, you say, yeah, but Terry, you don't know how many circles I've gone around. You don't know how many times I've started and I've stopped. You don't know how many times that I had good intentions, that I won't let this thing be my go-to when I'm under pressure. I won't do that. But I keep failing and failing and failing. Could I suggest to you, you've been doing it because you've been working on the surface. But if we'll get this theological truth in our mind, I am not a slave to this bottle. I'm not a slave to this fork. I'm not a slave to this anger anymore. Why? Not because of my works, but because of God's grace giving me what I don't deserve. Terry, I don't deserve for God to pick me up, man. I'm just in this vicious cycle. I don't deserve that. I don't even deserve my spouse to forgive me for how I spew all over them. I, I, I'm not, of course you're not worthy. But it's because of God's grace giving us what we don't deserve. How many of you, by raising your hand, say, I'm sure walking in God's grace today, and I'm thanking him for it. Man, I, my hand's up. I, I, I believe that. You know the cycle. The temptation comes. And then you give in. Because you always give in to that temptation. And when you give in, then you begin feeling failure. You know what I mean? I can't believe I did that. I'm a mess. I feel God. You feel the shame. I'll never get over this. So, listen, before you go into that cycle, use this phrase, I am not a slave. Maybe you, you just, you, you print that up and you put it on your computer or your mouse. I'm not a slave to these sites that I've been going to. Maybe you put that on your wallet or all your credit cards. I'm not a slave to overspending. Maybe you put that on your, on your kitchen stove. I'm not a slave to eating wrong things. Now that you've spent 21 days of eating healthy, let's don't go back to living on garbage. Can I get an amen? That was weak. I know some of you. I know some of you have already heard. First thing you do is go and buy Dunkin' Donuts and get coffee and donut. Right, Kim? All right. But only one. She's not doing a dozen. I am not a slave. And then ask deep questions. If the, if the issue, the problem, is below the surface, and I've been pushing it down through denial and denial and denial, ask the question deep. Ask it. Holy Spirit, help me to understand. What's so broken inside of me? What's so missing inside of me? that I pursue these uppers and downers, that I pursue this site, that I pursue overeating and a, a, and a dozen donuts from Krispy Kreme, wherever. And then I feel guilty. Why am I playing these games? Why am I pretending to be this? And on the inside, that's a deep question. Few people in life will ever ask Holy Spirit that question to get deep enough. Why do I react that way? Why do I go to that? What's, why is that my go-to? Boy, these verses today have just been so good. Look at this one. I pray.
that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. I pray that he'll give you mighty strength through his Spirit. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And you'll have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Notice, he doesn't say, grab a hold of yourself. Do better. Come on. And fill in the blanks that you call yourself over and over and over. He said, no. I want you to experience the love of Jesus. If you'll experience the love of Jesus, and you'll understand the fullness of how deep, how wide, how long it is, then you're going to receive power that comes from God. So number one, I must go below the surface. Number two, I need to gather friends to help me. You see, the scripture says God puts the solitary or the lonely in a family. One of our cultures around here, one of our values is that we do life together. We do life together. Nobody should ever feel like you're a lone ranger, that you've got to handle something by yourself. And so, but you have to invite people along for the journey. I'm going to tell you, if you have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, I'm telling you the place that you need to be this week, Monday night, you need to be here for Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights, 6.15 every Monday, wherever it is. If it's on fall on Christmas or New Year's Day, every week. Why? Because it's a group of people just like you that invited other people along the journey because they have something inside of them that maybe they can't handle by themselves. Fools, Proverbs 12 and 15 says, they don't need advice, but the wise listen to others. I listen to others. When my counselors, my advisors, my confidants say to me, you know, maybe you should take another look at this. Maybe you need to deal with how you're working with that. I can say, who are you? They don't tell me. I got to know. Okay, yeah, that's really an issue. I'm going I'm to deal with that. I'm going to take wise counsel. Why do you need to be in Celebrate Carbon? Why do you need to be in life groups? In life groups. I, I love in life groups. We sit down with our, in our life group especially with a group of men, because men, sometimes it's tougher for men to open. One of the first things you'll hear is this, we don't take anything beyond this meeting. Whatever you say stays here. We don't take it to anybody else. It stays here. We need that place. We need that place to take off our wig and expose our bumpy head that we've been trying to cover. I, I don't say, I, I look and I see a bunch of domes out there, so forgive me for using that illustration. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Take off our mask. That's better. Thank you. Life groups. Join a life group. Listen, when you join a life group, some of you have never joined, but there'll be, you'll see the brochure come out pretty quick. You're not signing up for life. It's not like the old class, you sign up and you're going to be stuck with these people for the rest of your life. Look, can I be honest? I've been in life groups. I'm counting down the days till it gets over because I don't want to hang out with these people. Isn't that terrible for me to say? 
But it wasn't here. It was someplace else. <laughs> you need people. Don't try to fight what you're fighting by yourself. I admire those of you who walked the aisle a couple of minutes ago to maybe a complete stranger that you don't know. And they said, what do you need? And you tell them something maybe you wouldn't want anybody else to know. You would want to stand up here in front of the church and say that. But saying it to somebody that you know that has your heart. Number three, number one, you got to go below the surface. Number two, you have the friends to help. And number, th number three, you got to give it all up. You say, Terry, that doesn't make sense. You're telling me if I want self-control that I have to give it all up. That, that doesn't make sense. I've got I've to control it if I'm going to have self-control. No, you got to remember, the principles of the New Testament of Jesus are upside down. I mean, think about this. To really live, I must what? Die. Die, Die to self. To win, I must what? I must lose. To be great, I must be willing to serve. To be first, I must be willing to be last. And to get self-control, I have to give up control. Say, God, I can't do this by myself. Telling somebody else, I can't handle this. I need your help. Look at this. It's not in your notes, but it's really good. God wants to control it, but he wants you to live it. Look at this paraphrase I came up with. Galatians 2, 19 through 20. For when I tried to keep the law, when I tried to do, make myself do, make myself quit, make myself do better, because I didn't, I didn't want to disapprove God. But look, I realized I could never earn God's approval. So I died to the law of the I must, I must keep, so that I could live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. How would Christ react in this situation? So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, read the last phrase with me, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus said, I knew you would struggle. So I came, I laid down my divinity, I took up humanity, I lived a life. I walked, I walked where you walked. I know what lust is. I've experienced the temptation, the possibility of that. 33 years and not married, walking on this earth. You don't believe that there were opportunities and there were temptations that came. But he said, I've overcome that. When the enemy came to him and said, look, if you're really God, turn this stone into bread. Rather than satisfy his own appetite, he denied himself. So he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like when you grab for that bottle or when you grab for that needle or you grab for that drug. He knows what that's like because he, he denied that. So, so what he's saying is everything you experience, I've experienced it, but I've overcome. And when he died on the cross, he said this, it is finished. What is he saying? I've done it. 
I've done it. I've purchased that you're no longer a slave to that anymore. Here's a way to summarize everything I've said today in just a couple of phrases. To develop self-control, I must realize I can't do it on my own. And I must believe that God can do it, and I must be willing to let him. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray, first of all, for those of us that are believers. How many of you, with just pure honesty, would say, Terry, this really resonated in my spirit today, things that you said. Raise your hand. Let me see your hands. I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. My hand is up with you. Lord Jesus, you didn't just write these things so that they would never happen in our individual life. I know there's some who raised their hand and said, yeah, this works for somebody else, but it hasn't worked for me. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do deep surgery today and you'd bring hope into that hopeless area. I pray as we would understand the fullness of your love the power of Holy Spirit can work in our life to produce self-control. We need you, Jesus. We give up. We surrender. We admit it. And we ask for help. As you continue to pray, let me, let me say for somebody that might be here and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, if you were to die today, you're not sure if you'd go to heaven. Because you look at your life and you say, man, I've, the life I lived is not, it's not worthy of that. Nobody can get worthy enough. That's why Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for your sins, for your victory. On the third day, he arose so that as many as call upon his name could be saved. So I believe today as the Holy Spirit is moving through this building and online, I believe that some of you are saying, that's me. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Terry, would you pray for me and pray with me today? If that's you, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'd like you to raise your hand very boldly and make eye contact with me. Say, that's me. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you back here. Thank you. Thank you over here, here, here. Thank you. Others today, that's me. That's me. Raise your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Back in the back. Thank you. Would you pray this prayer with me today? Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I need a savior. Forgive me today. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Forgive me a purpose for living and a hope for eternity. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Church, would you celebrate with me today those five or six that prayed that prayer? In just a moment, after we receive our worship of tithe and offering, and before people leave today, over first step here and first step here, I've got some resources to help you on your journey. And uh, uh, so as you're getting ready to give, let me just, let me read the scripture that how that financial sores or sores are special to God. 
Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 from the Amplified. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above all things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. God bless you as you give today. Hey, would you guys, would you guys like to hear a real miracle that happened as a result of this fast that we've had? Would you like to hear this? There's a lot of stuff up above, but I want to get down to, to some really important stuff here I want to share with you. This guy says, six years ago, after losing my writing buddy who committed suicide on Christmas Day, God woke me up before Easter and told me, get back to church. So I Googled bike-friendly churches, and the Father's house popped up with a picture of the bike parking, and I knew this is where God wanted me to go. In the beginning of a sermon that day, Pastor Terry said, there's someone here who needs to be here. He said, you might be sitting in the back along the wall or over to the side. He said, wow, that was me. When I went in, I wanted to sit in the back row. And he said, I knew that was it. And he said, Pastor Terry kept talking, talking to me. He said, I spoke with Pastor Terry and Anita, and I started coming to church as a faithful attender. However, I didn't want anybody to know my name. So when I contributed, I contributed with cash. So nobody would know if I dropped out, they wouldn't bother me. But for the three years, I've grown so much. And now I pride, pride I, I, I'm glad to write checks and put my name on it. In six years, that has been so amazing. But here's what I want you to hear. In November, Dr. Brown noticed something different in my health from treating me since 1998. He had me go for a stress test which showed a heart problem with blood flow along with other tests. I quickly asked Pastor Tim and the prayer group if he could pray about that and he put me in contact with people that helped me. Roland, who's had that same surgery, came along and he asked me, he said, how do you want me to pray? I said, I would like you to specifically pray that I don't need heart surgery and it could be, it could be corrected with stents because that's how we think, right? On January 18th at 4 p.m., Dr. Hertz started the heart catheter. He said, I was under anesthesia, but I could hear everything. And they said, three arteries are fine. And the doctor said, but the fourth artery, look at this, it's 100% blocked, dead and no value. Then within seconds, he said, I could hear this. The doctor said, but wait, I, I've never seen this. There's a new artery that's grown, replacing the dead one. And the doctor and the nursing staff said, we've never seen this. Closed me up and sent me home. And he said, I know, listen, he said, I know. And I told the doctor it was because of God's grace, undeserved favor. And I walk into church with his glory because God has done this. Yay, God, yay, God. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.